Everybody glad you're here, excited to do Jesus with you. Those joining us online, we love you guys. Let me start with three mm, kind of unsettling questions. Do you, do you like it when life feels uncertain, chaotic, out of control? How about when your finances, it's your finances that are uncertain. How do you like that? Chaotic finances, out of control. Or what if it's your relationships? The relationships that are important to you. What happens in you when your relationships feel uncertain, chaotic, out of control? I, I want to tell you, my, from my personal experience, I'm living it right now. A life of uncertainty, chaos, lots of chaos, way beyond the hard and hurtful stuff, way beyond my control. You know what I found? I found that when I have it up to here with uncertainty and chaos and stuff out of my control, it's just a red flag. Same, same for you. When you feel the uncertainty, when it unsettles you when, you, when you get your head turned around in the chaos and life is beyond your control, it's just a red flag. Chaos and uncertainty are like flashing warning lights. It's time to check the anchor's of your soul. And I mean, this is so huge. You know why? Because for me, I have anchored my soul to the wrong things and got myself in deep trouble. I mean, I anchored my, my, my life to something flashy, real flashy, but it was so flimsy. It did not hold. There was a breakdown and the breakdown hurt. I anchored my life to something, oh baby, so tempting, but it was very temporary. And there was a breakdown. It didn't hold. I anchored my life to what seemed at the time really, really important. But in the big scheme of things, it didn't matter at all. And it didn't hold. There was a breakdown. Enough for me. When whatever I anchor my life to, when it doesn't hold, man, I can drift mentally. I start thinking thoughts that I shouldn't be thinking. Emotionally, I start having bad feelings when I'm adrift. Same is true for you. I mean, for you, it can, it can be your finances that are in dangerous drift. It can be your relationships that are in dangerous drift. I mean, so I wanted to ask you, maybe God brought you today just so I could ask you the question, are you well anchored or are you in dangerous drift? You know what the worst is? The worst for you, the worst for me is when we come unanchored spiritually and we start to drift away from God, drift away from his love and his hope, drift away from his peace and his joy, drift away from our faith. Man, when we need all that stuff the most, we find ourselves in dangerous drift. I was in a doctor's office recently. He's a specialist. I, in fact, he's a friend of mine, but I'd never been to see him for medical reasons and so I didn't know any of his staff, and my appointment started with his nurse. And I always want to make a close friendship with anybody who could potentially stab me with a sharp needle. <laughs> and so I ask her about her life, and she tells me about her family, but then she kind of blurts out, but man, marriage is really hard. I said, true that. She said, are you married? I said, yeah. She said, how long have you been married? I said, well, in 60, uh, excuse me, in six months, it will be 50 years. She stopped what she was doing. She looked at me and she said, have you been married for 50 years? 
Yeah? To the same person? Yeah? And six months anyway, in six months to the same person. She said, did you and your wife ever have like heated arguments? Oh, yeah. You ever have like big, bad conflicts? Yeah, absolutely. Do you still love your wife? I said, I love my Debbie now more than I ever have before. She said, the, 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 the nurse asked me, what's your secret? I've always asked old people what the secret was to their enduring, enduring relationships. And I realize now I'm the old person. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that I made the ultimate tweetable comment that just went viral with all a kajillion likes and people now are getting the comment tattooed on their left thighs all over America. I wish I could tell you that. What I said would not go on the cover of a Hallmark greeting card. I said something like, well, you, here's the secret to enduring, endearing love. You, you gotta extend forgiveness and ask for forgiveness. I mean, it's not that it's not true, but it's not the secret. But today, I'm gonna tell you the secret. Now that I've had time to think about it, now that I'm not caught off guard, now that a blood pressure sleeve is not about to explode on my arm, I'm gonna tell you the secret to enduring, endearing love. And it's not just happened for Deb and I. It's happened for you and I. I mean, I've served here as pastor for like over 40 years. And maybe if you're newer here and you see all the hugging and handshaking going on, it's because we've been through stuff together to the point that now our love has endured and it's, it's very enduring, very endearing. It's the most special thing about this church to me. I am not, the, 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 the secret to enduring, enduring love is not original with me. It was written down 2,000 years ago. Here's, here's what happened. God breathed, serious. God literally breathed on the apostle Paul. And under the breath of God, Paul writes, these three remain. Say remain. Remain. Remain is the hinge on which everything in this text turns. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. Now, I love the Greek word for remain. It appears nearly 120 times throughout the New Testament part of the Bible. Jesus says this time and time and time again as an indication of how we are to be in real relationship with him. The Greek word is meno. And it means to be in close, settled union. Close, settled union. That's how you have a relationship with Jesus. That's how, that's the, a definition of my relationship with my Debbie, close, settled union. And when I studied that definition, it made me think of anchor points, anchor points that, that hold securely and firmly, that don't break down, that don't let go, that are not temporary. They hold. Our souls stay anchored. And so I maybe would rewrite that text this way. Here are three secure anchor points, faith, hope, 
and love. Let, let's talk about the first anchor point. This is how you anchor your very soul so you don't go into dangerous drift. Not in any area of your life. And the anchor point of faith is, it's the exciting one. Because our faith anchors us to the possibility of the miraculous power of Jesus. Not long ago, um, a friend of mine, uh, he's here uh, again today. Um, he, at the end of my talk, I came off stage. He came down front and um, we, we were going to pray. He wanted prayer, and we were going to pray in shared faith. You see, that's the secret to enduring, enduring love, shared faith, shared hope, shared love. And so he told me that he had not seen or heard from his daughter in eight years. And I got a daughter, um, so that kind of wrecked me. So we, we prayed. We, we prayed with shared faith. I, I said, amen. My friend went his way. I went my way. And three days later, he gets a, a call from the daughter that we prayed about. Now he's heard. Now he's been comforted. Now he knows. That's, that's the miraculous power of Jesus. And I could tell you story after story after story like that, that happens, not just down here when we pray with you, but on other occasions when we put our heads and our hearts together and we share our faith and we call out on the goodness of God. But here's the truth. We don't always get a miracle. I don't. I mean, I have prayed and prayed about my impaired eyesight. Um, but my vision just keeps getting worse and worse. They already won't let me drive 10 miles from my home or over 40 miles an hour. I can only drive on residential streets, can only drive during the day and have to wear special glasses. And if you see me coming in those funky glasses, head for the hedges, dive for cover, baby. And maybe in, in, maybe in May, I'll have to be tested again. And I've got to live with the fact that maybe I'll, I'll lose my license because of my impaired vision. And, and please forgive me if I don't immediately recognize you because faces are super hard now that I can't see. But I prayed and prayed about that and my sight just keeps getting worse and worse. I'm a type one diabetic and I prayed and prayed every kind of scripture I know about my diabetes. And I'm still taking four, maybe five shots a day, more insulin all the time, trying to keep this thing under control. For the last couple of years, I've been praying for my Debbie's Alzheimer's disease. And in the face of every prayer that we prayed together, I prayed on my own. She just keeps getting worse. I just keep losing more and more of her. But here's what I know. Even when I don't get a miracle, our shared faith, Deb and mine, for instance, our shared faith, my friend and I, our shared faith, even when we don't get a miracle, our faith anchors us to the miraculous peace of God. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's a peace that dominates in the midst of struggle. It's a peace that, that triumphs over every kind of trouble. It's a peace that just keeps persevering through even the worst kind of pain. Uh, I think it was last week, maybe it's been two weeks ago, my Deb and I were having a quiet evening at home, watching TV, probably Gunsmoke is her favorite uh, TV show because of Burt Reynolds. 
She'll, she'll remind me every time we watch it, and he's a character, she'll remind me that she wrote him a letter when she was a little girl, and she, he sent her a picture. I hate Burt Reynolds. Uh, anyway, we're watching TV, and I don't know if it was during the commercial, but Debbie um, said, David, I've got to ask you a favor. I said, what can I do for you, sweetheart? She said, would you come pray with me? I, I, I need you to pray for me. And I said, Sure. So I turned off the TV and I went and sat on our coffee table. She's always resting on the couch and um, something hurtful had happened on that particular day and um, got her all um, upset emotionally. And so she talked about it and talked about what had happened and what is and is going to be. And so we held hands and, and we prayed. And we, we, we prayed and we talked to God together, shared our shared faith, came together before God. And, and, and when we said amen and went back to gun smoke, um, really nothing on the outside had changed. What had happened had happened. And what is, is. But on the inside, on the inside, her spirit was calmed. What had happened had happened. And what is, is, but there was a peace that rolled over her soul and mine. And that night at bed, as we lay side by side, we both just drifted into good rest because shared faith anchors us to the peace of God. And it, it is so, so huge. Um, let, me, let me take you to what happened with Jesus uh, time and time again, people with painfully impossible problems would, would come to Jesus and, for help, for healing, for, for a miracle, for an expression of his miraculous power. And these are the kinds of things Jesus would say to them. He would give them the miracle and then Jesus would say, hey, your faith has made you well. Not I have made you well. Not your Bible knowledge has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I mean, wouldn't that be wild? Your suffering is over. Your emotional suffering, your mental suffering, your physical suffering, your marital suffering, your parenting suffering. If you're a Cub fan, Cub fan just live with it. You're going to suffer. Here's another instance. Jesus said, what you believed could happen has now happened on the basis of your belief. What you believe could happen has happened. Here's another instance. Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Man, that's huge. The Greek word sozo, there it means to deliver, to rescue. Yeah, it means to save your soul, but it could be saving your marriage. It could be saving your children. It could be saving you financially. Your faith has saved you. And here's the final one I'll give you uh, today. Your faith is great, so your request is granted. Your faith is great, so what you ask, I give. No strings attached. Your faith is great, so your request is granted. When we anchor our souls to a shared faith, you see, that's why we're so close, me and you. Why we love each other. It's an enduring, enduring love because we share faith together. Our faith anchors us to the miraculous power of Jesus and our faith anchors us to the miraculous peace of Jesus. So, hey, here's the deal. If you want to increase your peace, increase your faith. If you want to increase the possibility of the miraculous in your life, increase your faith. So how do you increase your faith? 
Here's what the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So in order to grow your peace, in order to grow the the possibility of a miracle, you grow your faith by hearing the word of Christ. This is why we want everyone, everyone, everyone here, everyone online to engage in our podcast, The Daily Gospel. On March 4th, just a little over a week from now, we'll begin. And what will happen when you get tuned into the podcast, you will hear the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John read three chapters a day. We will read through all three accounts of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. All his miracles, you'll hear them read. All his teaching, you'll hear it read. This will take us all the way up to Easter and a bit beyond. So tune into the podcast beginning March 4th because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. I'll do some of the reading, Jake will, other staff members, other people in our church do the reading, but every day you'll hear three chapters read. Hearing, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Maybe you'll do it first time, first part of your day, or maybe you'll do it before you go to bed or at your lunch break or on a drive or on a walk, but hear the word of Christ to grow your faith, to grow your peace, to grow the possibility of the miraculous in your life. That's the first anchor point, faith. But the second is hope, shared hope, shared faith, shared hope. Here's what the Bible says. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. This hope, hope is a strong and trustworthy. It's not flimsy. It's not temporary. It's not that it seems important. It is important. It's all that matters. It's a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And what does hope anchor us to? It anchors us to the goodness of God. We grow our hope as we grow our trust in God's goodness. Here's how one of the close friends of Jesus said it. This is Peter. He writes this way. God is so good. Say that with me. God is so good. One more time. God is so good. Man, when you go through your day, just let that be a prayer that you whisper, a praise that you say. God is so good. Under your breath, God is so good. God is so, how good is God? God is so good by raising Jesus from death. He has given us new life. The old is gone, the new has come. He has given us new life and a hope that lives on, that lives forever. You see, I'm not talking today, when I talk about a shared hope, when I'm talking about me and Debbie enjoying an enduring, endearing love based on our shared faith and our shared hope, I'm not talking about fleeting hope. Fleeting hope is what you have when the worst happens in your life And it looks like it's always just going to keep happening and you lose all hope. You had fleeting hope. It runs in the face of difficulty. I'm not talking about false hope. Like putting your trust in a good economy or the right political candidate. That's false hope. It'll let you down every time. I'm talking about not fleeting hope or false hope, but forever hope. Forever hope comes on the basis of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you surrender your life to him, I mean, it was last weekend, my friend that came forward for prayer about his daughter, last weekend, he surrendered his life fully to Jesus in baptism. He put his old self to death. He was buried in the water with Jesus and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead raised him up into new life and to a living an eternal, 
as eternal as Jesus is, that's our hope when we anchor it to the goodness of God. You want to know how good God is? You want to know how good God is? Look at this obscure piece of scripture from the Old Testament part of the Bible. The scripture says this from Zechariah chapter 9. Return to your fortress. A fortress is a place of strength, a place of protection, a place of safety, a place of provision where you can, have, you can supply all your needs. Now it's capital F because your fortress is your good God. Return to your fortress, your good God, for protection and provision and safety. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. If you're a prisoner, you're chained to something And so God is saying, this is God speaking, return to me, those of you who have chained your hearts to hope. You see, my Debbie didn't choose to have Alzheimer's. And one of the unsettling aspects of the disease to her is that she watched her mom die from Alzheimer's. I didn't choose to be a diabetic, unless you think of all the Twinkies and Ding Dongs I ate. You know, I didn't choose to have impaired vision. You don't choose your struggles. You don't choose your pain. But we do choose what we surrender our lives to. And my Debbie has decided not to be a prisoner to Alzheimer's. She is as sweet and as loving. She's more than, than ever before. In fact, you know, when we go to Walmart or Woodman's to shop, she wants to stop and talk and pray, hug everybody. If, if you see her, you better be ready for a hug. She's no respecter of persons. It takes us about five hours to buy our groceries. <laughs> but um, she's not a prisoner of Alzheimer's. She's chaining her life to our shared hope in the goodness of Jesus. I, I decide, I'm not going to be a prisoner to my impaired eyesight. I mean, there are things that are changed dramatically for our lives. And without the help of our, our, our kids and our friends, I, you know, I don't know how we do it. I'm not going to be a prisoner to my diabetes. I'm going to be a prisoner to hope. Now, I've just given you half of the text. I gave you the declaration, God's declaration. Return to your fortress. Your fortress is God. You prisoners of hope, choosing to surrender to hope. Here's the rest of the text. Here's the text in its entirety. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. I promise, this is God talking. The same God who spoke the universe into existence. This is God talking. God says, I promise this day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Say, so I got real troubles in my life. Deb and I, we got real trouble. You got real troubles in your life. Deb and I, Our real troubles are minimized by the explosion of God's goodness toward us. We got trouble, but the blessings way outweigh the troubles. The blessings are greater. The peace is greater. The joy is greater. The hope is greater. The victory is greater. Because it's all anchored to Jesus, shared faith, shared hope. Let's go back to our text because Paul takes this concept to the the highest level possible. The anchor of shared faith, shared hope, and now shared love. 
These three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now, how, why is love the greatest? Faith comes first, but what makes love so great? Without the love, there is no faith and no hope. Your love is what few, your love for hearing the word of Christ fuels your growing faith. Your love for the goodness of God fuels your growing hope. It's love. There is no hope. There is no faith without love. And it's love that fuels our growing faith and hope. In fact, have you ever known someone, person of faith, who um, said they, they know their Bible, they can quote you chapter and verse, but um, they're moody, angry, arrogant, always think they're, they're right. That's ugly faith. Faith without love, is, it's toxic, dysfunctional. Really doesn't work at all. But faith fueled by love, hope fueled by love. It's everything. Hope is everything. We need hope like we need the air we breathe. And it comes out of our love, our love of God for his goodness. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So how great is love? What is this great, greatest love? Here's how the Bible describes it. Love is patient. Love is kind. That word patient, it means a relentless passion that refuses to give up on the people in your life. Love is patient. Love is kind. That word kind, it means to meet, be willing with compassion to meet every need that's set before you in another person, forgetting about yourself. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is not rude or self seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It forgives and forgets. Love delights not in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love always protects, always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's our shared love. Where does enduring, endearing love come from? It's shared faith. You, you see, faith conquers the uncertainty of life. Hope defeats all the chaos. The chaos bleeds away as we grow our hope. And love, love that trusts in the goodness of God always believes that God is good and in control. It's not out of control. My God is in control. And I love my God who is good and in control. We get to be in charge of the uncertainty. We can defeat it with our faith. We get to be in charge of the amount of chaos because our hope is stronger than chaos. And we get to be in charge of trusting in a good God who is in control. I'd like to pray over you for this to be your personal experience this morning. So if you'd stand with me. I know we have um, some baptisms. We've had baptisms this weekend. We'll have some in this service. And so a part of my, my desire for you is that you would experience the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through baptism. 
Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have your sins washed away. And I'll give you that chance. When I come off the stage, you can just come down and, and meet me right here and I'll help you with that spiritual experience. But I, 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 want us, I want us to celebrate our shared faith and our shared hope and our shared love right now. I'll pray that over you, over your relationships, your friendships and your families, your marriage, your parenting. Right now, would you bow with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you because I don't know about these guys, but I've done enough of my life in dangerous drift. I don't want to go there anymore. Lord, I want to be a prisoner of hope. I want to anchor my life to a faith fueled by the greatest of these, love. And I pray that over my friends, my church family here, I call down your goodness on them. Would you right now, Lord, sweep over their hearts with your loving kindness, convicting them of all the faulty anchors in their life, giving them a, a compelling desire to be anchored to shared faith, shared hope, shared love. Even now, by this prayer of faith, let them experience. Let them experience your love, Lord. And if there's anyone, Lord, who needs a touch of your goodness, bring them forward for prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.